I, I, I ripped open the the hole last night when I said when I brought up description versus explanation. You know, it's something that I could talk about for hours, and I have talked about that for hours. I've talked about it for years on here, but I always go back to it. And what got me thinking about it tonight is just lately, when I'm just poking around online, just poking around, I've seen a lot of people reacting to artist statements. Like someone will post a photo of a painting in a gallery or museum gallery, and there'll be this really long, obnoxious artist statement with it. And I've never been a fan of artist statements. I like artists making statements sometimes. You know, I'm a manifesto-oriented person. Like, I love a good manifesto. It doesn't have to be an artist giving it. I just like a good manifesto. Because not all manifestos are good. But a good manifesto, I mean, I I, I think there's, there's only, you know, I don't think there even is such a thing as a good manifesto. I think there are only great manifestos. Some of them suck. Some of them are just nothing, just neutral territory. But a, a good manifesto, I think, automatically qualifies as great. And I don't like artist manifestos where it's like this artist or th this art is going to like have this effect. It's going to change this. I don't like it when an artist manifesto gets into like how the art is going to interact with the world or what, what it's intended to do. But if it's it's just like something intense and personal, like just something that tells me, oh, like this person, there was some intense stuff going on along with this creativity. I like that. But I don't know. I mean, I've always seen that shit. Like I've always seen these long, annoying artist statements and just been like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, cause you'll see like some paintings, it'll say like Piazza. Piazza by Giovanni Renfro, 1923, and it's just, that's all you need. But then you'll see these other, and they're typically modern, they're typically from later decades, living artists, where it's this entire paragraph. And obviously some of it's social, like one of the ones that I saw posted recently where people are like, did people really write this shit? Was, uh, it was just like two photographs of shirtless men and then it was this long rambling paragraph about like how it represents some queer thing that happened way back when and you know such and such and it's just like oh yeah of course a lot of people aren't gonna like that but it doesn't even have to have some sort of like cultural or political intent you know sometimes you'll see these statements and it's just like a bunch of poetic nonsense like, I knew someone here in town, like, not a friend of mine, but kind of more like a friend of a friend of a friend, like a a roommate of someone I was close to is actually more accurate. But she was a really talented artist. Very talented. Very talented. And, but I, I was, like, looking at something, and I saw, like, some artist statement she did to go along with her art, and I was just like, oh. It was, it was just, like, this long statement using very poetic language and I'm just like you don't you didn't need to do that you don't need to do that like I probably don't need to do a lot of the things I do 
I record these. These are artist statements. Now, this is a manifesto of some kind. That should be obvious. This is, this is obviously this is obviously a manifesto. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I saw this girl's like artist statement. And it wasn't even like a personal attack on her. Like well, you are so stupid. You're so stupid for doing. It wasn't even like it was just kind of like oh man. You're part of a world where people do that, so you think you have to do it. And I honestly don't even know what you're saying. Why are you offering this explanation? Because, uh, I mean, just titling your artwork is basically a description. Not that it has to be a literal description. Like you paint a picture of an Italian piazza and you title the painting Piazza. Like it doesn't have to be that literal. But the title is just basically a description. And like in my art, I use weird titles. Like I, I use titles that certainly aren't descriptive of what you're seeing, but you can do that with titles. You can do that with titles. And I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a manifesto-oriented person. I think all my friends who know me creatively know that, even just privately, you'll get a manifesto from me on occasion. It's not meant to be a manifesto. It's a rant. Just a rant. Anybody who's known me for long enough, especially creatively, knows that, you know, it's like clockwork, you're going to get a rant, a ranting manifesto from me at some point. Probably less and less these days, but when I was younger, all the time. So I understand, like, the need to say things. But I, I don't know, you always want to be careful about explanations. And I don't mean to be anti-explanatory. Like, I'm not against the idea of explain. Like, some things have to be explained. But offering unnecessary explanations. Because, you know, this thought, like, it's funny how something will plant a seed in your head. I've, I've said this before, but I, ne I I always felt this. Like, I always reacted to things like this, but I didn't have the the framework for it. Like, when someone was explaining something, when they could describe it, I remember always feeling something. Or when I did that, because that's the thing, too. It's like, I remember times in my life, and I still do it to this day, but, like, times where I'm offering an explanation rather than a description. And I, it feels wrong to do. I feel like I'm, I feel annoying when I do that. I feel dishonest. And I notice that in other people, like, oh, when you, when you explain things that way, like it's annoying and dishonest feeling. I don't know if it is annoying and dishonest. I mean, I know it's annoying, but I don't know if it is dishonest, but it feels dishonest. But then, you know, I was listening to this Sun City Girls record, the only one that I ever had. I had a friend who was a huge Sun City Girls fan and I bought just this one record I liked. And uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you about like any of the other albums even. But this one I was into. And there's a lyric on it that's, you know, um, that says like, I don't believe in explanations. Explanations only come from liars. A description will do. And that really put to words what I felt. It's not like that influence it's not like that created this feeling in me like of like oh explanations are bullshit explanations only come from liars like that just confirms something i was like oh that's what i was sensing 
and gives me a, a great way of putting it to words. So I credit them with that. Credit them with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that artist statements come across like lying explanations. Uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that that's prevalent in art. And I'm kind of surprised that lately I've seen these postings online about it because it's just, in this particular case, I think it's like the social or political intent that people are reacting to. Like they're politicizing what they're seeing. You know, like they're, and it is political. But it's like, that's not new either. Like artists have always given these socio-political explanations. And it's always funny to me because like some of that stuff, it's so easy and obvious to hate it, to hate it that it's actually surprising to me that anyone's into it. Like when, like, I mean, this is just going to be a really bad example. I'm filled with bad examples, but it's like if someone, you know, paints a picture of a, um, like a straw, like a drinking straw, and then they like come up with this huge explanation about how you know, it represents like the turmoil in the Congo. Like, it seems so obvious and low hanging to be like, oh, that's a bunch of bulls. That's a bunch of bull. But there are still people who do that stuff. And there are still people who don't reject it, who consume it. And it just kind of blows my mind. Uh, but I mean, appreciating art to me is, there's something kind of inherently feminine about it. Yeah, there's like a masculine approach to art and I'm into that. But it's like, when I think of like art galleries, I think of them as a feminine space. I think of that as a more feminine space. And to be fair, like I've, I've had a lot of friends who are artists and into art and everything. Uh, I am, I'm that myself. But what's interesting is like very few of my male friends and certainly not me have ever like wanted to go to art galleries. I went to, I think I was, yeah, I was with uh, my friend Miles and I went to see the R. Crumb exhibit at a gallery in Seattle. I think that's the only time and my, no, I, the two the two gallery visits I've been, I've only, I mean, I probably like wandered into an art gallery for some reason. I, I really haven't been to them very much though. I really haven't spent time in art galleries. I've never hung out in art galleries. The only two times I can I can actually remember, like not counting like little local stores that call themselves art galleries and you're like having lunch with your girlfriend's parents. So like you wander in and out of the stores together looking at shit and you happen to wander into some like extremely local, humble art gallery, like that's a little different. But when it comes to like an actual building, an actual true art gallery, I can only think of like a couple times. Like maybe with my family somewhere, like did I go to, when I went to England with my mom as a teenager, like did we go to any art galleries there? Like we went to museums, but I don't remember going to any galleries. 
But yeah, anyway, the two times I remember was they were both in the same gallery in Seattle. And like one time it was uh, the R. Crumb exhibit. Like they had original drawings, like original comics by R. Crumb, like the original sheets that he drew comics on. And then the other time was to see like Henry Darger, Darger, or whatever that guy's name is, uh, to see his original drawings. And this is both in like 2005, 2006 or something. I think I saw the R. Crumb stuff in like 2009 or 2010 actually, but the Henry Darger thing must have been like 2005, 2006, I would guess. And like we, Miles and I only went to that because uh, his friend was in town and like he wanted wanted to like take him to do something. Like I don't even know that we would have gone on our own. And that's what I'm saying. Like my friends, despite having like a lot of different friends who are into art and make art, like it's just not something they've ever suggested or I've ever suggested or really wanted to do. And it was cool to go see that. Like I really appreciated the, the R. Crumb stuff because I didn't know that he drew some of his old comics so big. Like they were on these big sheets of paper and then resized, like scaled down a lot when they were printed as comics. So I was like, whoa, I didn't know he draws so big or he did draw so big back then. And the other thing was like seeing the mistakes. I really appreciated that. Like you could see where he had like used white out. You know, you could just see some mistakes. Like there was some rawness to it. Because, like, if you look at his comics, like, they obviously look like perfectionism. But then seeing, that, like, the originals, oh, yeah, there were fuck-ups. There was a rawness to it. And I'm glad I saw those, but it's like I've never really had the desire to go see art. Like, it is cool to see art. Like, it's cool to see a painting and, like, see the actual strokes up close. I'm not saying it's a horrible thing to do. But the whole reason I'm talking about this is because, like... Just men in general that I've known aren't as into that or don't want to do that, even when they're into art. Whereas, like, I've known a lot of women, some of them aren't even really that into art, who really, like, love the, the gallery experience, the museum experience. I like museums a lot. But, like, I had a girlfriend who, like, appreciated art, but she was really not an art person. And it's like she always wanted to go to galleries. And I only humored her, like, once. Like, she would go to galleries by herself. It's kind of like a cafe experience. You know, it, it has that feeling. And they often have a little cafes in them. It's kind of like how, I mean, and then too, like art is in that way, like capital A art is also associated with France and Paris and girls love that too. Like back when I was in my 20s, I remember like having this thought where I was just like, every single girl I date has a fucking Eiffel Tower somewhere in her house. She's either got like a painting of it or like a uh, a lamp that's shaped like it. They just love the fucking Eiffel Tower. They just love France. And it's funny. That's also something I haven't really seen with men I know. Like every once in a while a guy will like appreciate things about France, but you won't see him just loving the Eiffel Tower and using the language like girls will use french language like even when they don't speak it they love they love french words they love the aesthetics of france
and uh you know like even if a guy like thinks france is cool or is interested in french history or something he just doesn't have that kind of relationship to france whereas like you'll see guys who like love imagery of like cathedrals vikings like northern european aesthetics like men will they'll toss that stuff around the same way girls will french eiffel tower stuff so it's not that guys don't do that it's just guys gravitate more toward like castles medieval northern european aesthetics like that side of the classics opposed to the french so i don't think i don't think it's unrelated that like women in my experience are also like really into the gallery aesthetic because like i hate the feeling of going there and i've never even thought about this i've never really thought of myself as like pro gallery or anti-gallery but thinking of it now i'm like yeah, you know, it really does rub me the wrong way. And even though it's cool to see real art in person, everything else about it, I'm just not into. And like when I saw like the Henry Darger stuff, I remember like Miles and I, just neither of us having a great time because it was like a lunch line. Like they had all the art on display and it was like this lunch line of people like all like walking in a line cafeteria line is what it reminded me of and like you'd stop at each piece and then like look it up and down and then you'd move on to the next one when the person in front of you had moved on to the next one i don't even remember if that was if the muse if the if the gallery set it up that way or if that's just what happened like I, i don't even know that the gallery was like form a line observe the art for two seconds five seconds two minutes and then move on follow the line i don't even remember if they set it up that way or if like people just kind of because of the layout they just kind of fell into that um one of my favorite experiences seeing uh like art i guess you could say in a museum and a museum is different museum has more variation and like museums i do like the way they look inside they can be very unique like i went to that museum that famous museum in la some years ago is it the getty i know that's the name of one of them but i don't remember which one it was i think it was the getty though and i mean it's amazing like the building is amazing but my favorite part and actually the only thing i remember out of all the stuff i saw there the only thing i remember is they had this giant drawing that was like concept art for Disneyland. And I just marveled at it. I mean, I love a good map like that, especially like a map of a, of a unique amusement park. You know, it might not even have been concept art. It might have been a map of like the very first incarnation of Disneyland, like right when they built it. And I was just amazed like because i even love going to like the zoo and getting a map of the zoo and just looking at it like when you go to the zoo how they hand out maps and it it shows you like the paths and like this one loops around to the reptile exhibit especially if they've done any kind of like art for the map like sometimes you'll go to an amusement park or a a zoo or just someplace like that and there'll be kind of like this cartoony rendition of the park that they use for the map. I love that. And this Disneyland map on the wall of this famous museum, like it, it it did that for me. It was this drawing 
And you can imagine whoever drew it was just fucking incredible. I don't remember it looking like cartoon Disney style, but it was just, it was obviously artistic, but it was really simple too. I know I took a picture of it and I got in trouble. I took a picture of it and the security guard was like, no, no photographs. But I got that one picture because I sent it to my sister. So I must still have it somewhere. But that's my kind of thing. Like, I, I just want to go and look at maps. My friend Nick and I had a joke. There was one night when he lived here where I went over to his apartment and he had this giant piece of cardboard, like probably from a couch or something he had got. And he was like, hey, I have this and I have a bunch of paint out. He's like, let's drink and paint a map of Kirkland, our hometown. And so we did. And what we did is like we, it wasn't like a map map where there were locations on it. It was just like the shape of the city limits. And then we painted each neighborhood a different color. But it just looked like abstract art. Like it, it was like the perfect shape of Kirkland. Like we used a reference map. And we like drew the lines separating the neighborhoods. And then like each neighborhood was a different color. But we like mixed the paint and like gave it some like variance. So it looked like art. And it looked like just some abstract drawing. It looked like some abstract painting. And then we just like joked about it the rest of the night. Because we were just both like in a, in like a state of madness. We he, I didn't know that he had this planned, I don't think. Because I used to go over to his house every Friday and we'd just start drinking immediately after I got off work. And like we wouldn't normally do activities or anything. We'd just sit there and smoke and drink, just talk shit. But this one time he's just like, I, yeah, I got this big piece of cardboard and I was thinking we'd paint Kirkland on it. Just like we and we just were, were both just like madmen, just like painting this thing. And then we had a joke afterward where like it's going to be displayed in a gallery as art. People are going to think it's abstract art, and like people are going to stand there like stroking their chins. And then one guy is going to say, "I think it's a map." A guy named Richard was the joke. Like the guy goes, "I think it's a map." I don't know. I think it's a map. And then his friends are going to be like Richard. You had to be there. But I love maps. That's the point. I hate road maps. That was always the problem with road maps. It's like, yeah, road maps, they're hard to fold. They're confusing. But I just don't like the way they look. A map of an amusement park, a theme park, a map of a zoo. Because they're simple enough. Like... They make me think of like children's books or something. Like like children's picture books. Sometimes those would have a cool map too. But it even extends to things that I don't really care about. Like I went over to this friend's house in junior high and he had a map of Springfield, the the Simpsons town. It was like a wall map of the town of Springfield. And yeah, you know, I've seen the Simpsons many times in my life. I was never a Simpsons guy, though. I was never one of those people who was like, I gotta watch The Simpsons tonight. I would just watch it if it was on. So, I, you know, I've, as an American who grew up in the 90s, like, obviously I saw a ton of Simpsons, but I never 
sought it out. And yeah, like there were things about it I found entertaining or funny, but I was just never a big Simpsons guy. I can understand why people were, but it was just it was just never my really my thing, even though it was fine. That's how I describe it. What do you think about the Simpsons? It was fine. But anyway, this guy I knew had like this this big map of Springfield. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. This is cool. This is really cool. And like, and it made it better that I didn't really know the locations. Like, because I hadn't seen all these Simpsons episodes. I didn't really know what some of these locations referred to. I was just kind of like, this is interesting. It's one of the re- things I liked about RPGs. Very map-oriented. And sometimes the guidebook would come with a map. And what you're looking at on the screen is just a map, too. A lot of RPGs is just looking at a map. Like, one, the world map. Like, when you're going from place to place, you know, it's just a map of the world. And then in the corner, in a lot of RPGs, like, they have, like, a smaller map of all the continents and everything, and it shows your location on them. So it's like a map within a map. And then you go into a town or a castle or a dungeon, and what you're seeing is a map of that, too. Like that topographical view that defined RPGs for so many years. You're just, it's a map game. But I don't have like an autistic interest in maps where like I'm obsessed with like the technicality of them. It's just kind of, I just like a good map. And then the RPGs too, like in the booklet, it would have a picture of the map too. Lots of maps. Art galleries, no, but show me a good map, especially if it's like a simple creative drawing. And I, you know, I, I, I look at uh, Google Maps a lot just to look at it too. Like, if I'm really bored, it's not unheard of for me to just find a location somewhere, like something I read about that, that I'm not even interested in, and just look at it. I'm just very interested in like where things are located and what their relationship is to other areas and like what they're, how they look on a map. Because I mean, I'm fascinated. Like when you look at like Africa and the Middle East, I just look at that and I'm just like, man, all that desert or even the U.S. Like I'll look at like a map of the Western United States where I live and I'm just like, man, like the green the greenery of western Washington is just like this tiny strip along the coast you know same for Oregon it's like you know you head east from the coast and like it's not long before you just like kind of enter this way more rugged uh, desolation Yet my perception is that, oh, I live in Washington State, where, like, the whole the whole state is just trees, evergreen trees. Yeah, there's trees and stuff in the east, but it really changes very quickly. And so just, like, the topography, just the way it looks. Sometimes I'll just look at, I'll go to Google Maps, and I'll just look at different parts of the earth... 
and just the way the tones change. Not to get too artsy about it, but it'll just look like how the tones change. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Seeing that from this vantage point, which is something nobody ever saw. You know, people at, at a certain point, there were like images of the continents and people had globes in their house and things. But to actually see a photograph of it from that view, that's a relatively new experience, especially having access to it where you can like scroll around and go to different places. That's just a, a relatively new experience that I don't take for granted. Um, a description will do. I don't, I don't think I really have much more. I, th I thought I was just going to talk about that again for five hours. Descriptions versus explanations. I just got going on artist statements, and next thing you know, I'm just talking about theme park maps and Google Earth. Talking about my passions. A nice, well-drawn map. Like, a little bit cartoony, but not over the top. Simple lines. But yeah, like because they would do that for zoo maps. Where it's like it would show like, oh, this is the the African area. It'd always be like an Africa area of the zoo. And on the map it would like have a drawing maybe of the animals or the um the exhibits, but a simple drawing. But that that interest too, it goes to like things like one of my favorite books as a kid was and I think this stuff obviously I'm not unique like this appeals to all kids but I think in my case like I really took to it but you know one of my favorite books was this castle book it was I think like it was this series called like incredible cross sections and it was just showing like the different parts of of a castle with the cross section revealed and like any drawing like that where it was like some sort of structure or scene with a bunch of small people. Like, where's Waldo style? You know, anything that had that visual I liked. I was always attracted to that. Kids in general are. But it's just like, oh, there's stuff to find here. And there's stuff hidden. And there's just a lot of detail. But the drawings are simple. It's not like it's art. But the idea of like this drawing of a castle with all these little people doing things and all these objects and details, I just loved it. And I did love the Where's Waldo books too. I even had some knockoffs. I had a book, an Elvis version. As a little kid at some point, my mom had gotten me this, this book that was like Find the King or something and it was Oh man, I wish I still had that somewhere. I don't know what would have happened to it. I would love to look through that again. Because it was just like all these different scenes. It was a Where's Waldo knockoff. And you were supposed to find the real Elvis. And there would be Vel Velvis. There would be Elvis imitators, like, you know, in different places. Like, there would be different people with Elvis's haircut. Kind of like Where's Waldo, where it's like, yeah, he wears those colors. But they're going to throw those colors in elsewhere in the drawing. Like, they're going to have things in the scene that make that make your eye out of the corner of your eye go like oh there he is oh it's not him you know the the elvis one had that where like the elvis that you're supposed to find has this one like very specific look and style 
and uh, you got to find him. And the, but there'd be a lot of things going on. Like one of them was like in like a Las Vegas like showgirl show. Another was Elvis's house, and it had all these different rooms, like the jungle room. You know, just all sorts in just so much detail. I just loved it, and it's it's basically a map. The other weird one I had was, it was called Find Charles and Die. D-I. So it was a Where's Waldo knockoff about Prince Charles and Princess Diana. And it must have been when they were still married. I mean, I would have gotten this in the very early 90s. And it was, you had to find... Prince Charles and Princess Di. And then they, kind of like Where's Waldo, they would have other things to find too. And one of the things to find was the Queen Mum. You'd have to find her. I think you could find... Um, I, you, you, they would have had to have put Queen Elizabeth in there. And then you could find Queen Elizabeth's husband. I can't remember his name. But it, you're supposed to find that stuff. And... I don't even remember the scenes. Like, I know one of them was London. I'm sure one of them was, you know, one of the palaces. I do remember a London street scene. Another one, I'm starting to remember more. Like, one of them was some, like, well-known park on a, on a, in front of the water. But they'd just be these different scenes of England. And you have to find Charles and die. And even as a little kid, like, I, I love the way that sounded. Like, find Charles and die and die but I didn't know who they were and like my mom was really into England she was always obsessed with England so I remember her explaining to me she's like oh yeah that's Prince Charles and Princess Diana and I remember asking her like who's the queen mum because they depicted her as this almost like she had green hair which I think is probably like a joke I, I, I imagine in real life like she was one of those old ladies who dyed her hair and it came out blue or something. But uh, you, you had to find her and she had like blue or green hair and I'm just like, what is this? But I love that book because it was a Where's Waldo style book and I actually liked those two books more than Where's Waldo. I spent more time with those because the art was good. And I wonder how much of that existed. You know, it makes sense that there there were Where's Waldo knockoff books, but I wonder how many there are. Like, how many different niche topics got their own Where's Waldo knockoff? You know, I, I that should just become my new passion is collecting those. Because they weren't bad. Like, they weren't... The drawings were good. There was a lot to look at. They were really well done. It's not like they just churned these out like bootlegs. Like, they were actually really well done. They weren't hardbound like Where's Waldo, but they were like laminated, um, you know, like flexi books. But they were very professionally done. Like, the art was really great. And, you know, this, this, is, this is just a Where's Waldo talk now, but, like, it's funny, too, because I remember, like, Let's talk about like my earliest moments of like perversity, like pre long before puberty. I have just a few examples like where it's like what I would look back on is like a lecherous thought or impulse. 
And like one of them was like my family had this, uh, what do you call those? Like nesting eggs, nesting dolls. My family had these nesting dolls and one of them was a pirate one. And so like it started out with like the biggest nesting doll, the one on the outside was like this big fat pirate. And then it went through different pirates, like each layer you reveal a different pirate. And then at the very end, like the tiny little nesting doll at the bottom was a wench, a naked wench. And I don't remember if you could like see her boobs or anything, but it was obviously like this like little naked blonde woman. And nobody even explained to me what, what a wench was. Like, I think I remember asking my mom, like, what's this? And her giving me like a very PG explanation or description. She gave me a PG description of a wench. But I still kind of just knew. I was like, oh, this, there's something kind of like horny about this. Something kind of horny about this. And like feeling like, like, like looking at the wench and like holding it in my hands and just like feeling like a, feeling horny is how I'd put it. Like, I don't know, I don't even remember if you get erections or anything when you're that young. Like, I would have been, like, four years old, five years old. No, yeah, four years old, probably. Um, I don't think, I, you know, there was nothing, like, sexual in my behavior. But I remember just getting this, like, kind of thrill. The other one was I had a toy ship. It's like a pirate ship or something. And on the side, it had uh, just, like, that mariner woman. I don't even know who that is, if that's like a, a certain goddess or whatever, but just like the mermaid. Not like the the naked woman at the the head of the ship, but like this was just like a like a banner or something, like a decoration on the side of the ship. But it was like I mean basically the Starbucks logo. And it was a very small drawing, but she was topless and, and like it's not like these were detailed tits. It was probably just like two lines two curved lines like indicating she had boobs but getting a similar kind of thrill from that being like oh but then the where's waldo books like there was a a beach scene in one of the where's waldo books and there was a woman sunbathing topless and she was laying on her stomach and a like a little boy nearby had like ripped her top away and she was like like lean like she was on her stomach but kind of like leaning upward like with this really shocked look on her face like oh my god because this little boy had taken her top and you could because like it had her leaner leaning upward you could kind of see in my memory at least i mean it's been a very long time since i've seen this but you kind of see like the side of her boobs and you knew that she was topless. Very horny feeling I got from that. Just this tiny little drawing of a woman sunbathing. Like I remember like looking at that over and over again, just being like, oh. Like showing it to my friends. I feel like there might have been another thing in a Where's Waldo where there's like a woman in a changing room. Something similar to this. But I, I vaguely remember there's like a woman in a changing room and like once again, like a little boy, like opening the door to it or something and the woman being shocked. But yeah, getting like a genuinely horny thrill out of that, and which shouldn't be surprising, but it just, it didn't take very much. There were probably other little things over the years. I mean, I mentioned the story on here when I was like five, my next door neighbor 
his family had the movie Earth Girls Are Easy, and we just watch it all the fucking time. The whole thing. And sometimes we just put it on while we played. Like, we just always put Earth Girls Are Easy on. And it wasn't like, you know, we were these two little boys who were into, like, Arnold movies and guns and all that. But it was like, it wasn't like Earth Girls Are Easy was, like, our kind of movie where we watched it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, I, I think there was this feeling, this unspoken kind of feeling about it that was like, oh, this isn't meant, this is, like, meant for adults. And that movie has, like, an undercurrent of sexuality throughout it. And in particular, there's a scene where Gina Davis is getting a makeover and she has like a gown on her. They're like, I think they're doing like a Brazilian waxing or something. And my memory of this is that like she's laying on a, on a table in like a salon and she has a gown over her chest. But there are these like holes cut out of the gown where her boobs are. And they have like some sort of wax or something over them and then they rip it off and she's like shocked. And then you see her nipples like through the holes for like a, like a second. And we'd watch that and just be like, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, there it is. And so it, it was just like this, there's obvious reasons why little boys would be like focused on that and feel horny, but we'd watch it over and over again. And we wouldn't watch just that. I mean, I think we did rewatch that scene sometimes, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, beyond that, it wasn't even like one specific moment. It's just sort of this horny movie. And I think we, we could tell that it wasn't really meant for us. Like it wasn't so inappropriate that like his parents cared that we watched it all the time. It was just that it, um, it was like we were allowed to watch it, but we knew that there was also something like kind of like sexual running through it. Like Gina Davis hosting these three attractive alien men in her house. I think she has a hot friend too in it who's kind of flirty. We just kind of were like, oh yeah, this isn't meant for us, but that makes us want to watch it. But yeah, where's Waldo played that? Like that that woman on the beach, like I would just stare at that. I was just like this is amazing. That's all it takes to get to get your gears moving. That wench. You know that that uh that little wooden wench. The smallest and there there's always something fascinating about like the smallest thing inside of a nesting doll. Like one you can't go any further. It's the last layer, and there's no layers to it. It's just like this little wooden block that's tiny. And the fact that it was like this little wench. I'm actually going to... It's been a long time since I've used a lifeline. I haven't used... And it's not much of a lifeline, because I'm not looking for answers. But I'm just... I want While I'm still recording, I want to see... Um, two things. Where's Waldo? Here, listen. This is me narrating my typing. Where's Waldo beach woman where's Waldo beach woman um, yeah here it is it says in the original edition of where's Waldo the side of the woman's breast can be seen as she lifts her body from her towel due to a sneaky boy throwing ice cream on her back that's what it was in later editions of the book the sunbather is given a bathing suit top and the offending breast 
the offending breast has been covered. That's what it was. He wasn't taking her bra away. He was throwing ice cream on her back. Yeah. Oh, I'm seeing the version where they gave her a top. Now I'm seeing the original. Okay, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's... No wonder I was horny. No wonder I was so horny. I'm looking at it now, and, like, one, it's like... You see her ass, and, like, they drew, like, her butt crack, which you can see through her, um... Her bottoms, or whatever you call them. Like, you can see her butt crack, and then you can see, like... Yeah, it's like she has basically like a wedgie to begin with. But then her boobs, like, it's not just that you can see her big, the side of her big boob. You can actually see the nipple. Like, they drew a little nipple on there that you're seeing from the side. And there's something, like, extra perverse about it because it's like, yeah, I forgot that it's a little boy. He's sticking an ice cream cone into her back, which is making her... Like, raise up from the ground so you can see her boob. And I don't know, and I think, too, the fact that it's so naughty. It's like, the little boy looks so sinister, like, sticking this ice cream cone into the woman's back. And then, like, she's shocked and upset. There is something, like, primally sexual about it. Um, I'm glad I looked that up. Of course, they changed it later. They They added a top to her boob. Because little boys like me saw it, and it was early porn for us. Let me see if there's a changing room one. I'm just curious if I'm... If I'm I feel like there was a Where's Waldo scene of a, a department store. Yeah, no, I was right. Yeah, it's like it's in a department store, and there's a woman changing, and there's a little boy pulling the curtain back on the changing room, and the woman's topless, holding her arm across her boobs, and she's in underwear. And shoes. She's wearing her shoes. So, yeah. I'm actually going to... Here's an article. It's like some stupid BuzzFeed shit. But it's like... 21 really odd and fucked up things you never noticed happening in Where's Waldo pictures. Number one. Topless woman in a changing room. I knew there was something like that. It's been a long time since I saw it. But I knew there was something like that. I remember liking the woman on the beach more. Um, I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna comment on these if they're interesting. Nah, most of these are most of these aren't fucked up. Yeah, of course the kid spilling ice cream on a topless. It says kid spilling ice cream on a topless woman's back, causing her to pop up while a man ogles her. He's not spilling ice cream. Like he's he's like sticking the ice cream cone into her back like a spear. Yeah, most of these aren't. Yeah, most of these aren't anything. They're just normal. Oh, I guess there's there's one that I, I remember this now, but there's one of like a man in a tent. So they're fair to the, the genders because there was one where there's like a man changing his clothes in a tent and a bunch of little boys are pulling back the curtain and you can see the man in his underwear. So, you know, the, the embarrassment wasn't just uh, to the women. Oh, they had topless mermaids. I remember that one. But you can't see their boobs at all, though. Like, and it's one they, they censored as well. But there was one where it's like, it's a sea scene. A sea scene. And it's a bunch of 
naked mermaids hanging out on a rock with uh, Waldo. And they are topless, but they have long blonde hair that like completely covers their boobs. Like you don't even see cleavage or anything. Like I'm, tr I'm trying to think of like one of them you can kind of see like, yeah, I mean like one of them has a little bit of cleavage maybe. Oh, interesting. This one, they didn't censor that. Like, they didn't cover the mermaids up. Because originally, Waldo was with the mermaids. But when they changed it, they changed it so he's not with the mermaids and he's in a boat instead. So they didn't like the suggestion that Waldo had put himself with the naked women. They wanted to, like, make it so Waldo was, was not being lecherous. I remember this one, like there's a a bunch of, it's at the beach scene too, and it's like this tall, big boob, boob blonde woman with an old man. I remember thinking she was hot. I'm just trying to see if there's anything like, because a lot of these things they say are fucked up aren't at all. It does bring back memories. I'm just looking for the sex here. Nah, you know, I think I, my memory was pretty much complete. The only, like, sexual things in those Where's Waldo books were, like, the woman on the beach and the changing room. But it's funny that I can, like, look back at that. I mean, it shows you why, like, cave drawings of women were such a big deal to people. Because, like, as a little boy with, like, no access on my own... Like, yeah, you would see things in movies and TV, but, like, when you think about, like, things that are under your control, like, the only things I had available to me that would give me a horny thrill were a Where's Waldo book of a woman getting harassed on the beach and seeing, I mean, that you could see her tit. You could see her nipple. And then uh, the woman in the changing room and then, like, the little... Uh, the the wench the wooden wench and that, that was the other thing i wanted to look up i don't know that this pirate nesting doll was mass produced but i want to see i'm sure it's not the only one that ever existed pirate nesting doll wench okay nothing came up immediately I'm seeing pirate nesting dolls, but I'm not seeing the wench. What I had might have been somewhat unique. Unique. Yeah, it's interesting. Nothing came up. Nothing with a wench in it. It was this, and it was hand painted. So I mean, who knows where that came from? And yeah, I just typed in pirate nesting doll, and I'm sure there's a million pirate nesting dolls. Not as many as I would have expected. No wenches. But yeah, it was like this, like, my mom gave me some very PG explanation of, a, of what a wench is. And, but she was naked. Because, I mean, I know what a wench is. It was basically like a, my understanding of a wench is that it was basically like a, a prostitute 
on the boat. I don't even know if that's true. I, I thought it is a woman who's on the boat. That's my understanding. I like think in, in a context of pirates or something, like my understanding was the wench is on the boat to like entertain the men. But she was naked. It was like this little tiny naked blonde wench made of solid wood. And she felt good in your hand because it was just like this little piece of solid wood that had been carved down. And think about how entertaining that was, you know, the idea, like, I remember, like, just the experience of unnesting a nesting doll was just entertaining. Like, even if I'd already done it with that same nesting doll. And then I get down to the winch. I think I remember, like, clutching the winch in my hands, like, in my room, in the corner, just, like, looking at her. You know, like I said, this is before hard-ons and masturbation and all that. So it was just a purely internal thrill that I remember feeling. Just like, oh, this is exciting. I want to look at this. And nobody told me, like, with the, with the wench, like, my mom didn't tell me, like, that's inappropriate. She didn't tell me it was forbidden in any way. But I just naturally kind of, like, treated it like this forbidden little object. Same thing with the Where's Waldo thing. Like, I remember, like, looking at that beach scene and, uh, like, kind of, like, hol holding it up close to me. Like, not wanting anybody else to see that I was looking at that. Or, like, doing it in private. Like, taking the Where's Waldo book into my room and, like, looking at that beach scene, holding the book close, wanting to be alone. So it's funny that you end up doing that. I think I'll end it right there. This land is mine God gave this land to me this brave, this golden land to me. And when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children can run free. Hey.